Black Swan Podcast, baby. We're raw. And welcome to the regional finals edition of the Black Swan Podcast. Hank Piper here with Rob Antonell and very special guest, Coach Mike Stone. How are we doing tonight? Awesome. Pretty good. Awesome. It's a privilege to be here. Hope Uh, we have some fun. Oh, yeah. All right. Just like with any first-time guest, um, Coach Stone, let's get your just kind of a brief summary of your football career, you know, what, where you started and what brought you here to Maslin. All right. Played high school football in Poland, uh, Seminary High School, which is near Youngstown. Um, played my college ball at Grove City, Western Pennsylvania, um, D3 football. Great experience. Uh, out of teaching, I was a sales engineer for a number of years, decided to come back, become a teacher and a coach. Uh, when that happened, I got co- connected with Masson through Coach Shepis, you know, who's uh, really my mentor. He's a great human being. And, of course, you know, Coach Shep was here for, for a while. And I coached freshman football his last year here. Went and coached with him at Waynesburg University for a year. Um, took a year off the coaching Focus on I, I finally got my teaching license, got a teaching job, and I'm coaching with a, a good friend, um, Jay Newcomb, up at Coventry for a year. And then when uh, Coach Hall came to Maslin, um, Coach Menchez, who I was my first freshman stint, um, was the head coach, called me, said they had an opening, I came back and um, coached the freshman seven years. I think I was there the entire Hall era doing freshman. And when Hall left. I went to St. Thomas and coached two years with Bedray, Baldwell. Who I think we remember old offensive coordinator. Coach then, B. Yeah, good good man, good man. Even though he's wearing the wrong colors, it happens sometimes. Yeah, and then um, you know, Coach Moore had been in contact with me, and um, I was really getting close to getting out of coaching. My wife talked me back into it, and you know, I've been back here. I coached freshman two years, and I've been with the varsity for the last two years now, coaching the H backs. Mm-hmm. Also known as the fullbacks, tight ends, it's really what they are. So that hopefully gives you enough about me. All right, all right. Um, so one thing that I can't remember where I heard it about you, but we've heard a couple times that you're also the guy in the box that can like that he's watching the game, and you look what the defense is doing, and kind of seeing what they're keying on on our offense, that kind of thing. And on top of that, during the week, uh, on top of coaching our fullbacks, you're scouting us. Uh, and that's one thing that, like, in football, at least, that it there's a couple things that I kind of nerd out about. Self-scouting is one of them. So I kind of want to get into that a little bit. Okay. Um, what? So, like, what? Which one you want to talk first? Game um, nights? 
Yeah, let's go game night. So like, I am up in the box. Mm-hmm. I focus mostly on watching the back seven of the defense. So from the coverage, uh, there's a couple different ways. You know, I spend a lot of time coaching defense. So you kind of watch from the front, from mm-hmm. the defensive line, back through the coverage. Um, I watch from the coverage up through. So I'll quickly recognize, I'll try to recognize quick what type of front they're in, but I'll focus on the coverage. Uh, so between or during the series, talking to Coach Troxler, Mm-hmm. mostly, and Coach Miller to some extent. I, when the defense is on, that's really kind of, I, I can go back, watch some film. And I'll, you know, I'll be in touch with Coach Mazer or Coach Robinson and maybe try to watch the fullbacks a little bit, what they do. But I'm still more focused on what the defense does, you know, and what we could do maybe to attack it better mm-hmm. in our offense. And um, and I've talked to, you know, Coach Miller, Coach Trox about the coverages, you know, what try to pick up tendencies like what coverage they're playing to what formation, if that makes sense to you. You know, if we're in three by one or, you know, they play in cover four, or they play in cover three, you know, they play cover one. That's a, a try to pick up on that. Um, but mostly that on game nights. So it's spoiled now. You know, I first coached, now we have huddle, so we get filmed during the game. You know, mm-hmm. that, that huddle, that huddle sideline stuff where they're like, the kids are watching, you know, the last series on the TV down on the sideline. Oh, huddle sideline's amazing. Even like when I played, you know, the internet wasn't around, barely. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I discovered the internet till my junior year in college. But even in college, we watched VHS tapes of film. So we didn't have our practices filmed. You know, there was no one to do it. We got, you know, a couple VHS tapes of the opposing team you could watch. You know, I look at these kids now with huddle and how much I could watch. I tell them all the time, like, uh, I would have been getting grounded from watching too much film. You know, but I've always been a football junkie. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I'm coaching. And Okay. Um, so kind of getting a little more into that, what are the things you look for in a defense? Like where do you you said you start with the back end and work your Correct. way forward. So like what are you looking for to tell the difference between say I, there's not much disguise in high school, is there? Like, well you'd be surprised. Really? Oh yeah, you would. And better okay. teams will face just like us. You watch our defense, mm-hmm. you'll see us you know, roll really late to one high, you know, on the snap of the ball. Yeah, I mean that's other other teams do that as well. Um, you know, a big thing you look at right away is you try to pick up, you know, one or two high safeties. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's certain things that work well, whether it's a one or high or two high safety. Look, a leverage of the corners, how deep the secondary's playing. That'll kind of give you an idea. Are they, they pressing and playing man? Or they could be pressing and bailing, which we do a lot of. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really man coverage, but it looks like man coverage. And the other big thing would be just um, a rough idea what type of front it is. Maybe where they're calling their strength. You know, are they calling it to the field? Are they calling it to maybe our tight end? Are they calling it to the receivers? Um, sometimes they, maybe they're calling it to the back. So I try to pick up on those types of things. You know, anything that helps you adjust, the quicker you can find out something, you know, the better off you're going to be. So, you know, the done or the day and age where you have to wait till halftime to make adjustments. That's, you know, good football teams don't do that anymore. Uh, so when you're looking at some of these defenses against us this year so far, um, you know, you, you talk about these teams, they, they do disguise in high school, or at least they try to. Yeah, that's something that, you know, as an offense, we have to look for, you know, uh, I'm sure that our receivers, our quarterback has to kind of understand what kind of coverage they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And the team's trying to disguise that. 
do you think teams are successfully doing a good job of kind of mixing it up on us? I've seen a lot of teams this make it look like their corners are going to press and then they bail. They've been bailing a lot this year because of how much speed we have, mm-hmm. but they want to make it look like they're not bailing. Has there been much success or are we doing a pretty good job of noticing that pre-snap? The I, I think pre-snap uh, overall we do a pretty good job between, you know, quarterback receivers. The the best defenses you're going to face, kind of talk about that. You have a good idea what they're going to do. And part of the reason they're really good is, you know, maybe they just have really good players, which of course helps. That's the number one thing you want in football is to have the best players. Or they they keep their scheme really simple, so they're really good at it. And, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, our concepts on defense too. You know, it's, you know, we're the fourth year of Coach McConnell, Coach Lino. The kids know the system. It's simple for them. You know, we don't do a ton with it. And, and you know, defensively you want to play really fast. And put your kids in the best spot to make plays. And, you know, the teams that you look back who played us pretty well, you know, they weren't very complicated. You know, maybe made a couple adjustments in here and there. Um, just trying to think, you know, say Ignatius plays pretty well in defense. They're mostly, you know, cover one, cover three, one high team. Uh, St. Ed's played us almost exclusively, you know, on a one high look. Mm-hmm. You know, we had some success, but, uh, you know, at the same time, their corners – played pretty well with their technique. They, that's what they got good at. Um, so to kind of get back to your question, though, it's, you know, the really good defenses, you have a really good idea what they're going to do. And, and, you know, you keep simple, play fast. Yeah, you kind of took uh, my next question away from me, but... Good. <laughs> so so this will kind of be like a, a half and half here question, but you talk about the good teams, you already know what they're going to do. They keep it simple, and they're just really good at it. My question was going to be, do you notice a lot of teams doing stuff different than you've seen them do in the past on film? Are they adjusting a lot just for us? Are they doing things we haven't seen? And uh, is that more going to be with the teams that aren't quite as good? You can go both ways with that. Um, You know, one thing good about being simple as defense is allows you to adjust what the offense is doing, too. Um, go with your, what was the question again, Rob? Help me out. <laughs> uh, so just, I here. mean, are teams doing stuff that you haven't really seen them do in the past? Are they are they stepping out of their norm against us? There, most teams, you know, a lot of teams will play their some type of base look. You know, most teams, if they're a three man front, will stick to a three man front. You know, maybe they'll, for example, change the alignment of those three men. You know, maybe they'll shade them over to a certain side. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of playing a true head up nose and you know and head up ends on the tackles. You know, maybe they bump them over to a front <coughs> where it's now you know a five technique or outside the tackle. Then you have a shade instead of a head up nose and backside. You have a three line up on the outside of the guard or a four eye on the inside of the tackle. So we'll, we'll see some things like that. Um, <clears throat> we'll see just based on the stuff we do do on offense. Some wrinkles, you know, Westerville South try to, for example, attack to, uh, or fullback a little bit differently, you know, than some teams have that we haven't seen. It's it's figuring out what they do, you know, and, and having a counter, you know, to what they're doing and see if they counter punch us back. And you know, teams have gotten good at it, but but we, we for the most part, are going to see what we see on film with a couple wrinkles. 
you know, we're I think we're a little bit different than most teams offensively now. I mean, clearly we have a lot of speed. I mean, we got receivers all over the place, but in a run game, you don't see a lot of teams, you know, running true fullback, you know, power football anymore. You know, so many teams have gone mm-hmm. to the, the new zone stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, or you know, a ten personnel which is four receivers and a lot of that read zone. You know, where the quarterbacks read in the end and and are and they're pl- and are running inside zone. So that's you see a lot more of that these days, and you know I'd like to consider somewhat offensively kind of old school with some new school wrinkles. If that makes sense. Um, so we've had offensive coaches on here in the past, and we've talked about how we like to take the first couple drives, you know, as kind of a feel out, like what are the teams trying to do to us defensively? About how long does it take for you up in the box to? say just how many drives or so does it take to figure out this is about how this team wants to play us and then we'll go from here to figure out how we're going to attack them two to three drives mm-hmm. and pretty usually around then so and then if it's working on defense why change it right yeah so i mean we start out slow friday night you know, so you know, it took us a, a couple series to get going, but once we got an idea of how they're attacking us, we were able to adjust and have some success. And it's, but it it does. It usually doesn't happen the first drive. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's the second or third drive. Really, and it, it kind of depends to how many plays. You know, if we go cranking off a twelve play drive, yeah. you know, by the end of it, we'll have a, a pretty good idea. But we also try to do certain things right away in our first series to try to give us tendencies on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So when you say that, like certain things, like maybe um, formation a team in their boundary, you know, um, maybe motioning, you know, that always gets uh, gets you a feel on what defense may be trying to figure out what they're trying to do. Okay. Uh, Rob, go ahead. Uh, so this is a little bit more of a conceptual question. And... Uh, you know, obviously, going into it, you have an idea of what a team wants to, you know, what they've been doing all year. You know, where the strengths are, where the weaknesses are. How much of our offensive game plan is based on, you know, what we think we have an advantage on against their defense, you know, a formation versus mm-hmm. their formation, uh, compared to just what we think we're best at? We're always going to focus on what we're best at. I mean, that's our number one focus is putting our kids in the best spot to make plays. And after that, we will look at maybe certain things to attack the defense. You know, maybe, you know, do we go with a tight end and fullback? Um, you know, do we go, you know, three by one with the fullback? You know, lined up, you know, a lot of people think it's like a wing look. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the best way or the, the best way to attack what they're doing formationally is probably usually where we start. Um, I, and I know, and I'm speaking for me, but I know the other guys do it too. But we'll look at personnel too and see maybe, you know, maybe we got a better chance of running at him or a better chance of throwing at this corner. And I think that makes sense to you guys. But the mm-hmm. focus, focus is always on us first, making us better. And then go from there. That's the nice thing being on offense. I mean, the defense has to figure out how to stop you. I mean, I spend a lot of time on that ball. You know, when you're sitting down on the weekend prepping, it usually takes you more time to prepare defensively than it does offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll just kind of take that same subject and move along to 
going into self-scouting. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I guess the big difference between like a self-scout and just scouting an opponent would be, you know, the calls, you know, what we're trying to do, you know, what's, mm-hmm. you know, what our cards are. Um, how is self-scouting different from just like scouting an opponent and how do you use that information? That's a good question, Hank. Very in-depth. I'm impressed. Thank you. Um, I don't know how you knew I was the self-scout guy. Someone must have snitched on me. Uh, a few people have here and there. <laughs> uh, self-scout is first and foremost, you know, what, what we look at is to pick up certain tendencies that we have. I also... Recently, we figured out, you know, there's something called efficiency, you know, to tell you how successful a play has been. So you can look at your personnel. Hey, we're 55% efficient in this mm-hmm. personnel. Or, you know, what do we look at it? We're 40% efficient running this play. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't run that. But the nice thing is, is when we do the self-scout, we look at it from essentially, you know, what, what do defenses look at? Okay, they look at the formation and they look at your play tendencies. So that's what we're doing. So I'm looking at the play based on this formation. Hey, you know what? Maybe on, you know, every time we do this motion, we run the ball. Well, maybe that should tell us next time we do it or at some point we should throw it. Um, or our tendency is to, you know, run the ball 80% of the time. Um, it, it's it's nice information to have just to change your tendencies a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to change things, you know, it's especially offensively. You know, on on third and less than three, you know, if you're 100% run, you know, why not play action, short pass, you know, pick up a first down. But that's what defenses are looking at. They're looking at it. Formation, they're looking at down and distance tendencies. So we're just doing that from our end and seeing what our tendencies are and what we can do to change those or break those. Uh, Maybe not us specifically, this year or this kind of like this current coaching staff, but more in general for you, it you you find a tendency in your offense. Every offense has them. Oh, absolutely. Because it's you you build a tendency off what you're good at, right? Yes. So every offense has a tendency. Are you more of a let's get a tendency breaker in where we can just to help just to make the game planning harder or take that tendency build a play off of it to catch the defense off guard. Kind of stole my question. You're welcome. I was going to say, didn't you kind of ask me the same thing there? <laughs> All right, so I'll, re- no, I'll I, ask I, it in a better way. How about that? All right. Oh, I was going to answer it, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you get it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Ask. I like it. Ask it in yeah, a so, better way. So the way that I was going to ask it is, is all I did where's, a, where's the fine line between we are too predictable in a certain down and distance formation the defense knows what we're going to do so we need to mix it up so they they're you know they stay on their toes and we want to be able to catch a team off guard sometimes when we mix it up where is that fine line at the the fine line is very simple is you're still going to do what you're really good at mm-hmm. and to kind of go back to you to Hank what he asked me on the same lines you did do what you're really good at and, and have a wrinkle or two off that. Um, you know, for example, if we're, every time we motion the Z on short motion, we're 100% run, okay? Whether it be some power read or maybe we run power fit. You know what? We see that. We know that. Maybe even there we, we do that quick motion and, you know, 
just throw a quick pass in the flats. You know, things like that. I mean, those little wrinkles where at least you know because there's a pretty good chance if the defense hasn't seen it, that wrinkle, they have not had a chance to practice it. Mm-hmm. I know from my end, you didn't spend a lot of time on the defense practicing stuff you didn't see on film. Even if it's something simple like that. You know, you pick up that, hey, guys, there's, every time they short motion, they run the ball. You get that in their head. Oh, oh, heck, you know what? We short motion, we threw the ball. But ultimately, I mean, you're going to do what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But it's nice to have. And, you know, so if you do that 10 times a game, and we're talking wrinkles, that's one or two times a game. Uh-huh. Yeah, so along those same lines, this is a conversation that we've had many times, and I think we've even maybe asked a guest or two this in the past. But with, like, trick plays... Is that something that you want to put on film for teams to practice against and spend time devoted to that? Or do you want to catch them off guard? Mostly gets them off guard. You know, most teams, once you run a trick play, guess what? You usually have a different trick play next time. Mm-hmm. And especially us. I, I pretty much assume that every team we play has film on us if they want. You know, they all do. They could see what trick plays we run. And it's mostly to catch the other team off guard. So. Uh, my question was going to be, I thought you were going to steal it. Is there ever a conscious effort to build a tendency to play off of it? Or do you, is it just kind of the tendencies naturally happen and then we'll go from there? It's I would say the second. I mean, the tendencies are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, depending on what it is, you don't really need a self-scout to do it. I mean, we, we know there are certain things that we do that defenses are going to try to stop. We just have to make sure if they stop it consistently to have something off that where we could be successful. So getting back more into the self-scouting, what are the things you look for, not specifically us, just in general, of like when you're scouting, what are the maybe stats or formations or what are you looking for when you go into the self-scout? Um, so I do, there's a couple ways you, we look at it. You know, we'll look at it by personnel, formation, and play, where it can kind of give you the tendency on what plays you're running most to some formation. And a lot of times you don't even realize that. And it's easy to, you know, if, you're, if we're running the ball to the two-receiver side more than the single-receiver side, yeah, how hard is that to switch it and run to the single-receiver side? Um, the other way to look at it is just by offensive play. And if you look at it by offensive play, you can look at, you know, the efficiency of it and say, you know what, if this play isn't 50% efficient, we probably don't want to call it as much. You know, and there's a lot of ways you can define efficiency. Um, what Huddle does, I'm going to give this away. I guess might not want to broadcast this. but <laughs> Huddle does is it, it it's four yards on first down, half the distance to get on second down. So if you're second and eight and you get four mm-hmm. yards, they consider it efficient. And then third and fourth down converting. Now, there's going to be cases, you know, if you're third and 15, your chances of converting aren't very high anyways. So there are certain things you got to look at with that. But it does give you an idea, you know, if you're looking at a certain run play and it's less than 40% efficient, eh, maybe we don't want to run that one that much. Answer your question? Yeah, that... Um yeah, I got there. Okay. Rob? 
Yeah, I mean, he just kind of answered my question that I was going to ask. But, you know, going along the lines of, of efficiency, and you're, you're grading plays, you're, you're grading concepts. Uh, I, one of the first times that I heard this was from Joe Thomas, and he might have still been playing when he said this. I don't remember. But he said that um, looking at yards per carry was like the dumbest thing you could do because it doesn't explain what mm-hmm. actually happened. And he talked about how they did it. You know, did you convert? Because if you're on the one-yard line, that mm-hmm. one yard per carry is going to make your stats look bad, but you convert, and that's what it was. Now, you said Huddle kind of has some built-in features mm-hmm. that does that. But, uh, I mean, is there anything else that you, you really look for that just says, like, success versus not success? <laughs> Um, I mean, you you could still look and see. I mean, the thing that sticks out for me sometimes will be if we look at personnel, you know, yards per play by personnel. Mm-hmm. In one game, that could be misleading, but if you're looking at over eight games, mm-hmm. it's going to give you kind of a sign of maybe we're better with this group on the field than this group. But he's he's right on. I mean, if we're out in our two fullback set, it's probably short yardage. And the yard per carry is not going to be the same as what it's going to be if we're in our you know traditional eleven personnel with three receivers and you know the one tight end fullback type guy. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean that's right on. I mean that yard per carry is going to be lower, but the efficiency might be higher. You know it's so to go with that. Um, I don't know if this is something that really gets looked into. Let's talk about like big plays, okay. you know, deep throws or. You know, screen anything that could usually going to end up in a big play. Does that have a lower success rate but a higher efficiency? Like if you throw a, a fade pass that ends up in a fifty yard touchdown, mm-hmm. but you only convert one out of six, lower that, that definitely lower efficiency. Lower efficiency. But there's a, but there's always good times when to take shots during the game. There always is. You know, and in, in third and two. You know, what's wrong with having a, a play where you run the ball where with that, you know, we have a, a receiver for the tag to run a fade. And if we like the matchup taking it, especially if you know it's four downs and we're going to get another crack at it on fourth down. Um, but those definitely, I mean, big plays are going to be more efficient, inefficient, sorry. There's no doubt about that. But you still, I mean, especially with the weapons we got, there's still times you got to take shots throughout the game. You know, got to take some deep ball shots. Yeah, I, I guess my question with that would have been um, the worth of it. it. Even if it hits half as much, it's twice the, the result. Yardage. And is that something that gets accounted for with the efficiency rating? No. No? No. Okay. No, the efficiency just tells you essentially you know, what, how I broke it down. Whether, mm-hmm. you know, whether in first down it's four yards, you mm-hmm. make half the yards in second, or whether you convert on third. It, it tells you that. So it, it's just like anything. It's not an exact science. Yeah. You know, it just it's giving us ideas. Like mm-hmm. you guys talked about, it's giving us ideas on maybe a wrinkle or two we want to look at. Yeah, I mean, it would be too easy if Huddle well, just told you what well, to do every time. Yeah, yeah. and Huddle has to be a human factor. And Huddle has its flaws too. I mean, it does. But it's just the nice thing. Like certain plays, a team maybe we didn't run that tackle counter out of this formation. So it's run it this week out of this formation. It doesn't change a lot for us. It's still the same play with just different people on the field. But at the same time, guess what? More than likely, 
the defense hasn't practiced that against that personnel. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a different group, you know, because teams will sub with us. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're out in four receivers, more than likely they're going to put a different guy in in the secondary than if we have, you know, one or two fullbacks in the game. So maybe we run that play and now, oh, crap, this kid didn't get the practice against this play this week because it's something they didn't prepare for. It's just trying to find little things like that can help you in a football game. It's football, you guys know, because you played, it's not a complicated game. It really not. It's really not. I mean, it all it still comes down to blocking, tackling, um, not turning the ball over. Uh, and, you know, I always like to mention this stat. I told Coach Barberi this all the time when he was a young, and I'm like, hey, you know what? If you want to win a football game, you look at turnovers, explosive plays, and missed tackles. If you win all three of those, you're going to win the game 80% of the time. At least. It might even be higher now. Hmm. That's something that just kind of rung back into my head with the LaSalle game last year. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Coach Morgan was talking about in the book that, what was it, like halftime or something? You were You were saying specifically, like, hey, we're not, you know, doing great with, this kind of thing. We had a turnover in the uh, deep in their field, and we just we couldn't do what we wanted to do. Um, is that something you're consciously aware of, or is that just during a game specifically that you're like aware of of the turnover batters that kind of thing, or is that just you have a feel for the game and you're like, oh, this doesn't like feel right. This, something's not feeling good. I would probably say more of the second thing you said. It mm. kind of goes by feeling. Um, we do chart. I mean, we do chart what our explosive pay, plays are. I mean, we'll look. I'll look through that and relay that information down below. Hey, these have been our explosive plays. We may want to look at running them again. That you can get a feeling of. I mean, missed tackles is a is a hard stat to track during the game, and that's really it affects you more defensively than it does offensively. But it's just included in there. Um, but turnovers is easy to track, and it always starts with that. I mean, the team that protects the ball more is always going to have a better chance of winning. And it's it's hard to overcome turnovers. You know, the other thing, you know, with explosive plays, a lot of people don't realize special teams plays, block kicks, you know, um, shifting the field on a big return. Those can all add up as well to getting a fake punt. No, uh, there's, there's a lot of things in the game that kind of goes with feel that fits in there too. Mm-hmm. Where do you fit in hidden yardage? Saying, like, we're going for a punt block and the punter just barely gets it off, hits the ground, you know, returner initially waves it off. It starts rolling, but he just picks it up, gets tackled for two yards, but it would have rolled for another 15. Or say quarterback... Pulls the ball to throw a tag screen. It's not there. And then he just throws it out of bounds before he gets sacked. Where do you, I guess, fit in? Really hard. Yeah? Yes. That's kind of a flow in the game type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you get an idea, hey, you know, this simple thing. You didn't feel the fair catch. You lost 15 to 20 yards because the ball got by your punt return and it rolled. It's hard to track hidden yardage, but it, it does go with the feel of the game. I mean, you can kind of have an idea like, hey, it's that's going to cost us. You know, hidden yardage, the biggest thing to me is penalties. You know, minus minus yards. That's it's a killer. Penalties are killers because it's, you know, it's 
going from first and 10 to first and 15 or first and 20, it really mm-hmm. limits what you can call offensively all of a sudden. But, but that's a big part of hidden yards too. Yeah, I know that uh, you know when we played, Coach Palma was in charge of special teams, and he always told us the same thing every year, that special teams will either win you or lose you one game every single season. And he took it very seriously. And, uh, you know, that's how special teams is. It's one of those things that people kind of ignore, but field position or a blocked kick, blocking a kick, making a field goal, missing a field goal could really, you know, make or break a game. Uh, Just from the feel of things, going off of what you were talking about with kind of that hidden yardage, um, without looking at the numbers, it it feels like we've been doing better on penalties as the season has gone on. Up until last week, I would agree with you. In general, I last week wasn't so we've good. We've been for trending us. well. Um, start off the year a little rough. Was, yes, was we did. Kind of, was kind oh. of the point. Yikes. And it, it seems like we've kind of cleaned that up. Some of those on special teams, you know, mm-hmm. some of the returns. Um, how big of a difference does that make for you when, if a team's punting and you you expect to get a ball in a certain spot? Yes. And maybe now you're 15 yards further back, or you got a big return. And you're 30 yards further ahead than you would have thought. Was there is there much you know predetermined play calls going into it before you get the ball back? Absolutely, it absolutely is. You know, if if there's a certain time you want to take a shot, hey, if we get the ball here, let's take a shot. Well, if we're down inside the 20 yard line, then yeah, we probably going to wait want to wait to take that shot. So I love it. Coach Palma, you know, obviously, I don't know if you guys know, we played together in high yeah. school and college. You guys know that. The audience might not. But I know he got that from. I mean, that's a that was a Coach Shep thing we both learned in high school. When he talked about special teams, he always told us, you know, hey, there's three parts of the game, offense, defense, special teams. You can call it kicking game. A lot of people call it kicking game. And if you win two out of three of those, you got – a much better chance. I think the number is like 65% of the time when in the game. So we always took special teams seriously. We took it seriously in high school. I took it seriously because I coached it. You know, when I was coaching you guys as freshmen. We all did special teams, but I was also, you know, I was at St. Thomas. I was our special teams coordinator. So I've done it too. But yeah, it's anything you can do special teams to gain an advantage is huge. And, and, you know, we won a big playoff game last year. I think the big part of our special teams. I mean, think about the Hoban game. How much did we? How yeah. much did we shift the field with the our punt, punt game? A couple yards um, each time. A big, big kick. You know, before halftime, that ended up being who, who would have known it was the winning score of the game. Mm-hmm. But you know, special teams is huge. You know, if you get a kicker that can put them on the twenty every yard every time, that's that's great. Kind of playing into a couple things that you just said there about, like, oh, we're taking a shot play in this scenario, or in general, like, we get, you know, say we get a a fumble recovery, interception return, big punt return. A lot of teams are going to want to take a shot play right after that while you got the momentum rolling, that kind of thing. Is, is that something else you look at, like, say, just in general, first in possession, big turnover, big... Mm-hmm. Uh, big special teams play when you factor into your the self scout. Some some people do that. I think we do that more off feel. 
mm-hmm. and, and you know determine the flow of the game. You know, is this the time to take the shot, or is this the time to try to chew out a drive? You know, and and burn some clock. Mm-hmm. So there, it's definitely situational. Um, you know, I'm not calling the plays, but you know, I I will speak for Coach Troxler a little bit, but I I think a lot of what he does is is based on how we feel and the flow of the game with that. Mm-hmm. So it's not usually it's not predetermined. Like, hey, if we recover or we get the ball here at the fifty yard left yard line left hash, we're going to run this play. You now, once in a while, maybe, but not very often. Okay. Um. That, that's just something I asked because it's a big thing that I guess coaches are looking at more now as far as, like, scouting the opponent, mm-hmm. as far as, like, uh, turnover, first in possession, that kind of thing. And it's just in my mind because, now granted, in 2018, Glen Oak wasn't a great team, but we got a big turnover. I think it was on there, like, 25 or 30 or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting next to Uncle Joe. Joe Studer, he was, you know – Offensive coordinator at Masson for years, yeah. coached football for years. And he's like, All right. I can hear him. Take a shot. Take he's a like, shot. He wasn't saying take a shot. <laughs> he was saying, All right, we got a nice little turnover. Looks like we're I we're probably gonna take a shot now. Double post for touchdown. Yeah. And so I guess my question I'm building off of that is like, even though that's a feel kind of thing, you can still Going going even farther back to about building tendencies, that's a tendency of the offensive coordinator. So is that like something you think you could look at of like, hey, we just got this turnover, or like even the field situations where in the game itself it might be uh, very fluid, mm-hmm. that it could give you kind of a tell on the OC, the play caller, the team in general. There is, but that is not easy to track in a self-scout, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. Um, that is almost honestly something you pick up by watching film. It's like, hey, every time these guys get a turnover, they're going to take a shot. Mm-hmm. That's that's something you pick up more by film watching than doing data analysis. I think that makes sense to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So what's the difference between doing a self-scout and doing and scouting like doing film like a DC like another team would do to you because okay. isn't that the point of a self scout is to try and figure out how another team is watching you trying to figure you out to build off that and go from there the well to me the self scout is what does what is what helps you more than you know the defense is already looking at that information Mm-hmm. So what you're looking at is basically the same information the defense is looking at. And you look at from your end and says, okay, what can what are we doing really well? What do we know the defenses can prepare for that we can create some wrinkles off of? And, you know, just generally is, you know what, hey, maybe we should break this tendency of running the ball 90% of the time on first down. You know what? So let's plan on maybe throwing the ball three times, you know, first down during the game. But, I mean, I, I think that hopefully that makes sense. I mean, the self-scout is it is useful, but, you know, it's not going to predicate what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you're still going to – we're still going to run certain plays. You know, we're still going to run certain formations. 
we're still going to make teams stop us doing those, what we do really well. You know, we're just trying to get a grasp on, you know what, you punch us, what's our counterpunch? Now you counterpunch us, now what are we going to do to counterpunch you again? And, so, and, and some teams, honestly, you know, they get the counterpunch, they don't have another punch. And we run into that too. You know, they put all their eggs in one basket. Oh, crap, we got nothing else for these guys. Okay. Hey, that makes – answer my question. Go ahead, Rob. So I know at the end of the day you want to do what's best for your team, you know, what we're best at. But how easily or quickly, I should say, how quickly do you think you could change the other team's mind based off of tendencies? As in, if their defensive coordinator thinks that we run it every time on first down and we come out and throw on first down three, four times in a row, how quickly do you think we can get them to abandon you know, the idea of a tendency? It's hard to do it during a series, I'll tell you that. Because I've been on that end coaching defensively and said, hey, every time this team comes out and flex you know, two, 20 personnel with the backs mm-hmm. next to the quarterback, every time they do it, they throw the ball, and we do that, practice it all week. And this happened to me coaching at St. Thomas. You know, so we make our checks to cover, and you know, four plays later, next thing you know, they think they catch on and they start running the ball. So what do we got to do? It's hard to make that adjustment during a series. We got to make the adjustment when the kids come off during the field. But uh, yeah, that's to do that during a series is really hard, especially on defense. I think offensively, obviously, you could just call a different play sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, it might not be necessarily, you know what, maybe we didn't run this play in this formation, but the kids up front already know how to block it because they run the play. You know, the, the backs already know how to run it because they run it just, just in a different formation. But defensively, now it's like, oh, shit. Well, you're going to call timeout or wait, you know, to the end of the series. Hey, we got we to gotta quit check into this formation. Mm-hmm. I've... I got oh boy, yeah. you. You guys suck. He does. Is that going to be on? He does suck. No, no. I'm editing that out. <laughs> editing that. Don't edit this out. So I, I'm one of the few coaches that can say I coach both these guys. By the way, we'll date back some years. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to tell you which one was the better player. Oh God! But I will tell you right now. We both know which one's that the better Hank's player. Freshman football team was a hell of a lot better. Than Robbie's freshman football team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Undefeated. Not even close. Undefeated. All right. My class versus your class. We know who's winning. So it's not even. Is it a football game or a fight? Football. Football? Not even close. My class. Not even close. Far and away. It's not happening. Absolutely. All right. Let's go. My senior year. Yeah. My senior year versus your junior year. Let's let's keep moving the bar. Let's, Let's put it that way. My senior year versus your junior year. Who's winning? Oh, so you're more experienced players versus our less experienced players. Oh, you're so much better, though. Yeah, well, what system are we running? Because we both know that Kyle can't throw in McDaniel's offense. Exactly. Because he couldn't, you know, he couldn't spot a cover three or cover two. If he'd spot in the safeties. You had, Ky- no, you had no defense. You guys are very uncrediting. Your team Kyle had, Kemp. Your team had no defense. Hey, how about Kyle Kemp's? Mm-hmm. Going to be his coach at Cincinnati and got screwed out of that. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. 
Tommy Tumberville is going to be in the U.S. Senate. Ah, uh, yeah. Is it Alabama? Yeah. In Alabama. Yeah. Bama. Alabama. Crazy. Yeah. Tommy Tumberville. That has to be a name only. Either yeah. that or they really dislike the guy in office, which could be true, yeah. too. I don't I, know. They probably dislike the guy in office. No. But he was... Yeah, I don't know. We were talking about that last night. Yeah. You you guys still got to... If you go by... It's hard to say, hey, it's play juniors versus seniors. Mm-hmm. But... Trying to remember, you quarterback. Well, see, your quarterback and your freshman was Brody. Yeah, who was see, really good. See, that's my thing. Like when we're talking class versus class, freshman year is like the last class that you can really measure them by. It is because when you start putting other players mixed in, exactly. Yeah, it, that's it does the last change like things up pure that year class that you can that you have. Mm-hmm. So my freshman class versus your freshman class, you guys ain't gonna have a good time. I agree. Maybe. No, it's not maybe. Yeah, it's not. I don't know. It might be running clock time. I don't Ooh. know. I think <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but I will fully endorse that statement. I don't know. We had the chocolate curtain, and I think they would have punched you guys in the mouth, yeah. and I don't think you were ready for it. The only thing you had going for you was Trelly. Take Trelly out of the equation, and it's, uh, I don't know. Our defense was good. That's fine. But our defense was pretty good, too. We didn't lose a game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you know. The, the Stark County All-Star team over Not there. a very yeah. com- I don't know if they had a very competitive game. No. We kind of blew like every team out. No. We were still better than you guys. Uh, class versus class. Good. I get, I'm glad I got these guys going. <laughs> it's nothing we haven't talked about no, before. This is this has been a lot of uh a lot of time. You know, the you third, third party just told you who 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 coached both teams, told you which one he thought was no, better. You, you uh-huh. coached their team. You just killed our team. No, we didn't kill you guys. <laughs> you guys didn't Fish like gets us. Bigger we, tried, every time. we tried to whip you to shape, and you just yeah. didn't want any part of yeah. it. That was the wrong way to coach. Uh, us, you right? gotta be, you gotta be disciplined, man. Yeah. We weren't disciplined. That yeah. wasn't us. If you want to win That's football games against we good teams, you gotta be. You can get away with undisciplined if you're that much better than the other team. But if talent is equal, then all of a sudden it's a different animal to try to overcome. We were missing a couple players freshman year. And that that was the difference. Maybe. You guys lost your quarterback. I agree. Man, your we quarterback was your middle yeah, linebacker. Wait, if you lost your quarterback, what did you guys have going for you? Wildcat. <laughs> <laughs> we did have wildcat. Oh, oh, nothing. <laughs> no. Were Just you let, tackling Trelly? Let Trelly and T-Bert run the ball. Porkchop was. Trelly only gained five pounds going into his senior year. Porkchop was. Trelly was Trelly. a grown ass man. So was Porkchop. Porkchop. Porkchop was the same size in sixth grade. I remember that. He was my sixth grade running back. I was fifth grade. He was sixth grade. He was our running back. He was our entire team. Could not stop Trevor. Best or best mass and running back I've ever seen in my life was sixth grade pork chop. Pork chop. Oh, my best God. One. Incredible. Best one. Not even close. I hope all your old teammates are listening to this. They're not. Absolutely not. <laughs> they don't listen to these things. But they already know. They already know my class would be yeah. Hank's class in football. Absolutely not. not. So on a different note, you guys want to talk some Perry at all? We all right. Before you take off? Or yeah. Let's, else? um, real quick, let's get to a quick Perry. commercial break, and then we'll run through Perry, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Sounds good? Hey, Tiger fans. I bet if you're anything like my partner, Hank, you probably need to go see an eye doctor. Yes, sir. And if you do, we have the place for you. The Doring Vision Center is a primary care optometry clinic located in downtown Maslin. They have a wide variety of eyeglass frames, everything from budget packages to designer brands. And if you're like me and prefer contacts over glasses because glasses are a hassle, they have uh, the technology to fit all types of lenses. They treat most conditions, 
and they also take emergency visits as well. At the Doring Vision Center, most insurances are accepted, and you even have a good chance of getting a same-day appointment. So come on down to see former Maslin Tiger, Dr. Ben Doring, at 35 Erie Street North, Suite 110, Maslin 44646. And that's right next to the Alibi Bar, for those of you who know the local watering holes. Or you can check them out on Facebook at the Doring Vision Center. That's D-O-E-R-I-N-G Vision Center. Or give them a call at 330-880-0035. Doring Vision Center, proud supporter of all things Maslin. And welcome back. Another big thanks to Doring Vision Center for the sponsorship. Um, Real quick before we get into Perry, just... You know, real quick on the fly recap of uh, Westerville South. They threw a lot at us. Um, it was... I, I have the box score of the third... End of the third quarter stats. <laughs> Which really is when the game kind of ended. We were up 42-9. to nine. They had... They burned three or four trick plays, a fake punt, and... Just all of this stuff, to, any hope of keeping them in the game, in my opinion. Coach, what, do you, what did Dan, Dan Fouts say in the water boy? Uh, Last game, Brett. Got a, can't hold anything back. Can't hold anything back. Hold anything back. <laughs> um, we got out of a game. Mm-hmm. We really did. We started slow on offense, and once we got it churning, we got it churning. And we got the defense after, you know, they took an early lead. The defense was going. Um they had some good players, man. That kid going to Penn State's legit. I mean, he's really good. I thought their quarterback was pretty good. I thought their running back was good. And what happened to us more than anything goes back to really simple football. We got undisciplined. Got undisciplined a little bit on defense, penalties, um, mistakes. And, you know, we I guess we made the game a little bit interesting. You know, they were never within – I don't. We kept a double digit lead the whole time. They got yeah. into a two possession lead, yeah. but or lead. two possession game, two possession game. But I mean, going into the fourth quarter, they had their quarterback was uh, eighteen for thirty five for one hundred and ninety five yards, two interceptions. They nineteen for eighty eight on rushing attempts. They were third of eleven on third down, one of four on fourth. They were just getting their asses kicked. And, I mean, you know, you said what you said, but just from a fan perspective, I we let off the gas. I I think we did what any team in that position would do was, you know, take the foot off the throttle, kind of let's get everybody out of here, let's make sure nobody gets hurt. And any team in their position besides that team would feel the same way. Like, all right. We had a good season. Let's kind of wrap it up. We are statistically out of this. Yeah, well, I get that from a fan perspective because, you know, I'm a football fan too, you know, especially in the weekends. You know, I enjoy yeah. watching, especially my Vikings. I enjoy watching them and try to sit back and watch as a fan and just, you know, chill from, you know, from looking at everything from a coaching perspective. And, you know, the only thing I'm going to maybe say – is, that's a pretty good offense. If you look, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they averaged almost 40 points a game before they played us. Yeah. Pretty close. Right about that. And, yeah. you know, when they get in a rhythm like they did, sometimes it's hard to stop. 
and we didn't make things easy on ourselves with mm-hmm. with some of the mistakes we made, dumb penalties, really dumb penalties, free yardage, you know, all that hidden yardage. You know, you give a kid like or a team like that. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> Coach is getting a phone call here. No, I'm not. I get some emergency. Oh. I better click all the time for that. Sorry about right. that. <laughs> but you allow a team like that, and you, you do undisciplined stuff. You know, if you're a corner, you're not sitting in your route when they run, you know, mm-hmm. Philly special. Oh, yeah. Things like that hurt us. And, yeah, we kind of got off track a little bit on offense, but at the same time, we didn't really have the ball a lot. Mm-mm. You know, and they 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 hit us on an onside kick. Um, it's easy to go back and second guess yourselves. It really is. You know, I always had from a footballer as my line coach. You know, my senior year in high school, he said, "Hey, if you play the game with no regrets," he's like, "If you leave the football field and you have no regrets," he's like, "More likely you came out on top." And from our end, I guess from coaches, guess what? We had a lot of things we could go back to to talk to the kids about. Hey, man, we need to fix this. Mm-hmm. Look at this. This is not how you play state championship caliber football. So it's not – no one's happy. No one left the field happy, including the players, and that's a good sign. You know, when something like that happens, and you still beat a pretty good football team by you know, double digits. I mean, I mm-hmm. get we had a running clock at one point, um, but they're still a good football team. I mean, they're undefeated for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I think they had a, like you said, a pretty good offense going into it, a high-powered offense. They put up a lot of points, a lot of yards all year long. They have some good players. I think the quarterback was a pretty good thrower. Um, and I think for the most part, you know, they're, we, we kind of just shut them down. We shut down their their offense. You know, they had to get yeah. into some trick plays, onside kick. They ended up with a jump ball at one point. And, uh, you know, I, I think that lead that we had in the third quarter, it kind of showed for a little bit because they started running the ball a little bit more than we expected in the second half. And it's like they're down big. They are a passing team, and, and they're running the ball, right? It kind of seemed like eh, maybe they also want to just get out of here. Mm. And then they picked it up. Maybe they caught a break and they decided to go for it. You know, nonetheless, I, I definitely agree that there's some teaching moments in there. There's mm-hmm. some stuff that you can go back and, you know, you know, say, hey, we got to look for this or, you know. Um, so I, I think it was a good experience. But, yeah, the, the final score definitely didn't show how the game went. I think that 42 to 9 was a good, pretty good points and you know you know maybe we add or subtract a score in there make it a little bit closer than 42-9 but um I think we were definitely you know the better team we played better and then fourth quarter kind of just kind of skewed the stats a little yeah bit. things snowballed on us a little bit mm-hmm. now please tell me you guys are gonna go without talking about the game without a, a school record rusher absolutely oh my god Trell is a dude my boy yeah. Trell Trell's a dude like I I I don't have many words beyond. He's a dude. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's figured it out. It took him a few games mm-hmm. to kind of figure out the offense being new. Understandable, but he's got it now. I mean, you could see some of those, and he was banged up early in the year too. He was. I mean, it wasn't just like we were sitting there hiding him. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't one hundred percent. So once he got healthy, um, we lost Raekwon. Yeah, he's stepped up. He's been absolutely huge. I mean, he's a 
real difference maker. His vision is top notch. And, you know, he's got a little get up in there too, man. He mm-hmm. can run. What you said about the vision, there was, we talked about it, uh, we got into it a little bit last podcast about how he was hitting backside A gap on power. Uh, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but he was just living off of it on Hoover. And it looked like he was trying to do it a couple times this past game, but it got, sh- they tent- they shut it down and he just found somewhere else to go with football. And, 300 and what, 25 yards? I wanted to say 324, but I think he's right. 324. 324. All right. I'm going to run. But on how many carries? Yeah. You that one I don't know. Five, think, seven. No, I think it's, it was it's ridiculous. He averaged over 10 yards a carry. Yeah. It was impressive. It's it, He's still, what, so this is uh, McKinley. Uh, who do we play week 12? Walnut Ridge. Walnut Ridge. Hoover. Hoover. And Westerville South, like four straight games. Four straight games. He's averaging over ten yards a carry. I didn't even know that stat. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, that is wild. Like, when's the last time you seen a running back do that against like a stretch of? This is playoff football. Playoff football. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could average it in one game, like with a fluke. You break off yeah. two runs, and it completely oh. skews your stats. But over four games with that sample size. Dude's a dude. You know, line's doing great. He's mm-hmm. making plays, yards after contact. My favorite point in the game was, uh, I think it was his last big touchdown run. I didn't see it, but, like, every, I think it was Jim that pointed it out to us. He broke it off. He's going downfield, and their coach on the sideline just oh, yeah. shrugged shoulders, head back, like, really, again? I don't, I don't know what happened, but I think both their linebackers either blitzed or were sucked up. But point is, as soon as Will Trow hit the line of scrimmage, there yeah. was no one else. So he just broke through the line of scrimmage, and their coach just <laughs> – both of his hands went up in the air. You could see it right away. Just like, oh, I know what's about to happen. If you've ever – there was no yeah. second line of If you've ever played a sport and, like, you've screwed up so bad that your coach is just MFing you on the sideline, you know exactly what that – you know exactly what he looked like. And, uh, yeah, I mean – it was a record for most rushing yards in one game. Yeah. And just to put a bow on the conversation real quick, you know, Blackstorm Podcast, our our uh, views, ideas, thoughts, do not, you know, not coaches, not massing footballs. You're giving me a look. I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to figure out where you're going with this. Yeah. Their head coach, uh, Westerville South, yeah. whatever, f*** that Don't worry, I'll censor that. But, no, he's that's such a pretty boy move. I mean, I get it. You don't want to give up at the end of a game. But it really did feel like that that game was out of reach. And he was just trying to bump up the score to make the box score look not as bad as it really was. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't have as much of an issue with it as you did, I guess. Because, I mean, I'd probably do the same thing. Because at the, same, at the end of the day... You know, you that's what you're you're going for. You know, even if you don't think you're gonna go with the way of the win, maybe you get close enough that it looks better, you know, the players feel better about it, you have more teaching points in the future. I mean, I I don't know. I I'm not the kind of person just to put my head down in the third quarter and run it out, but um yeah, he was definitely doing the most to try to score points and uh I mean, he, I can't be mad at a football coach for that. I guess. I mean, I I'm not mad at like 
There's a difference between not giving up, and there's a difference. And he was just trying to make it look better. Yes, he, he knew he lost, he's but the, he was still trying. He was trying to make it look better, more respectable. He's the kind of guy to get his ass kicked in a bar fight, and the first thing he does when his friends pick him up, pick him up off the floor, is check his hair to make sure it looks good. Okay, that that I. That was your biggest program game in, what, 25 years? That's what they all kept saying, yeah. I mean, the way they kept chirping, it seemed like it. Uh-huh. And I I don't know. I just think he got his ass kicked, and he, at the end of the day, he didn't want to make it look like it. Well, now, while we're uh, on the notion of talking about coaches you don't like. One other thing about humans we don't like. Humans we don't like, okay. Zebras. We can touch on the, we can touch on the refs real quick. Yeah. They sucked. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was... they Their fans want to say they got homered. I mean, that that interception in the corner of the end zone, at least from our perspective, I thought it was a touchdown, but, you know, they, they saw it different. But they definitely made up for it in the second half. And you can tell how good a, a referee team did by how they leave the field. And they sprinted the off. The fastest there. person on the field... On Friday night, was those zebras running out of there as soon as clock hit zero? So, uh, while we're talking about coaches, referees, people you don't like, yes, let's uh, let's move on to uh, Perry. Yeah, I, I got everything out. That you got it out. You out. guys are really gonna move on, and I'll be an old school guy of all people, Hank. I'm disappointed. Yeah, school record rushing, and you're knock knocking the name the names of the offensive line. Listen, I spent last week singing the praises of the Terrence Rankle, Rankle, I Dylan Garrettson, Jaden Woods, Woods, John Cooth, Cooth, Todrick Lee. And Lee. I'm gonna throw yeah. my guys in there too. Yes. Dylan Geyer, Kane Woolard, okay. Michael Billman. Those guys all blocked her. Great hails oh, off. They did. Great blocking. They really did. Great blocking fullbacks we have there. Um yeah, legitimately. Yeah. We walk we spend a good amount of time watching them while they're out there. They do a very good job. We even had our Ohio State kid and, you know, Jaden, mm-hmm. Andrew had, both had, Andrew had a couple huge blocks. Jaden had a couple nice blocks downfield. It's yeah. big runs and, uh, gosh, I mean, how many 50-yard runs do you have? Three? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, those happen because off, yeah. Yeah. everyone's blocking. Mm-hmm. At all levels, yeah. But there we go. I had to get that in. You got to get some names in there. Go I, ahead. Let's talk Perry. No, I didn't mean to take away from them at all. I mean, come we, on, Hank. You're an alignment man. We you say know we, better. Yeah, <laughs> I I am an alignment, and I know we don't like go. You know, searching for glory. You're damn right about that. We the just most do our job. Position in all sports. You're right. Just to play the offense line. I did it for ten years, man. Trust if me. We, I know. If we know your name, yeah. it's because you did something bad. Yeah. If yeah. you get your name uh, called, you're doing you're something absolutely wrong. Absolutely correct. There it is. So. A penalty or a screw up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could be. I can't say the normal word. I say. <laughs> well, we all know what you mean, Coach. <laughs> that being said, we can uh, get into our. What do you say, little brothers east of us, Maslin Perry? I always like to call Maslin Perry because there's just that name, Maslin Perry. Well, that's what they are, according to OHSAA. So yeah, they can't get away from it. You know, even. As much as they run from the contractor playing us, they can't get away from. You call Jackson Maslin Jackson too, according to what you say. Yes, yeah, you know <laughs> they got to know their little. Hey, brother. come on, guys! It's there's only one Maslin. We know that. There's only okay. one Maslin. So here's my thing. I've I've seen that argument. There is only one Maslin. You say Maslin period dot blank. 
That's us. It's Maslin. You say Maslin Jackson. Maslin Perry. Yeah, they just don't like it. I think that's the whole point. Yeah, that's but, why I say it. Because yeah. they're the little brother. Yeah. And they need another place. Well, let's talk about them a little bit. Number one seed in the region, playing at Perry this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Going to be another big game. Yeah. Um, I... I, I think, uh, Coach, you got their roster in front of you. First thing is what stood out to me really is their offensive line and the lack of size. Um, can you just talk about that a little bit? Lack of size. As me, as an off coach watching mostly their defense, <laughs> you know what? The type of offense they run, mm-hmm. you can get away with a lack of size, you know, with good technique good footwork, um, and doing your job, knowing your assignment. You really can. You know, to kind of correlate, you know, they're a wing tee team. Mm-hmm. You don't see many teams running the wing tee anymore. So I ran it a little bit in high school, ran it in college. Um, know it fairly well. But to correlate it to me, like wing tee, if you guys watch Air Force play or mm-hmm. Army, kind of that flex bone, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, that's why those service academies, they don't get as big a lineman. You know, you can get away with smaller linemen, when you run a type of offense, now it's a little bit different, different than, you know, running the option. They're more gap stuff, mm-hmm. angles, um, you know, athletic guards that can pull, you know, block people on the run. But that's, that's what it's about. So to me, you know, the size thing isn't that big a deal. It really isn't. What um, average weight just eyeballing it are they looking there? Uh, 215, 220, 255, 205. Yeah, that's probably about 225 up front. So it's not a bad, I guess, in general high school weight. From what we've seen, it's pretty small. Um, That's probably the smallest we've seen all year. And that's one thing that stood out to me because it's like uh, just looking into learning more and more about the game, there's a few things I've seen where it's like these offensive line coaches, you know, hey, I've got a pretty small offensive line. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, you're gonna either run outside zone or you're gonna run the wing T. And quick this, hitting stuff. Yep. Um, pulling, yep. running. Just I it's, it's, there's a lot of gadget stuff with the wing T. You, know, you take advantage of blocking angles and mm-hmm. you know maybe changing up your splits up front to to give yourself the best chance. You know, it, you guys talking about size. I mean, it's it's hard even for us guys to look like. St. Ed's and St. Ignatius mm-hmm. does up front. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's. I mean, they get over a thousand boys in their school. Mm-hmm. Neither of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been blessed. I mean, we got a pretty good line this year. I mean, what if you look at us average? You were probably 250, 260 up front. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty good size. You know, but you know, blessed with a, you know, a D one kid like Terrence. Um, but they're 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 fine. You know, they do their job. I mean, they. The, the other thing I could say about Perry, you know, it, just over the years, they've had some tough kids. They play hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something you don't coach. It's just something that's inbred in their culture. And I'm not I'm not trying to take away from them, I guess, on the offensive line. It's just it, – it was noticeable to me how small they were. They look smaller in film than what their weights are. Yikes. So the weights, the weights could be misleading. Who yeah. knows? I mean, Who everybody knows? has, you know – Program weight and size. Mm-hmm. I think I was the only kid that actually like put my true 
205 playing weight. I put my real size on there too, and it was a mistake. Yeah, should have done what everybody else did. Um, <laughs> you know, so add add two inches, go onto the scale with ten pound weights in your yeah, pants. That's the one. Uh, is Perry really doing anything different than they have in the last couple of years? Because I think their line was a little bit bigger last year. Um, have have they accounted for that, or are we kind of just seeing the same thing with a different line? They they definitely had two really good interior guys in the D line last year. You know, one's playing Division One football; he's going to school for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Perry. You think they're really doing anything different? <laughs> well, Absolutely it's the same not. thing. It's the same I, yeah. thing with different guys. You know, when you're running the system like they run, and it's going all the way through their youth level, all the way mm-hmm. through. I mean, I get it. It's it's what they do. It's what they're known for. So I know that, you know, Perry's a quality team, and they've been racking up a lot of wins over the last couple of years. You know, they made a couple of playoff runs. Um, but in general, they haven't had much success against us during that time period. And, you know... Not really at all in general. Well, they've made some playoff runs. They've been making the playoffs. No, and, I mean against us in general. Oh, no, just doing, that time period. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I, I yeah. think what he's getting at, because I wasn't here, but I remember it. I mean, we yeah. beat them the year they won, went to the state championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so so I guess my – the one thing a lot of people like to say about Perry or just the wing team in general is it's something that teams don't see very often. So it's hard to prepare for. Correct. But in the federal in the federal league, they see it every single year. Yeah. How is it that Perry continues to have success against some of these federal league teams, but they struggle against us? <laughs> that sucks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get into that coach's talk there. But they're really good at what they do. And, you know, even though a team faces it, but you're only facing it once a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from a coaching perspective, to try to simulate what their offense does to your defense is really, really hard. You can run it. You could draw the cards up. You could tell a kid you're pulling here. But you're not teaching them the right technique and how to do it. Um, you're not teaching the running back, hey, you're going to take this step. You know, they're just running to where the ball is. It's really hard to teach the little things of the wing T in a couple days to prep. Even those mm-hmm. federal league schools that do that. Now, one thing we did see, or I saw a little bit in the film, I noticed they ran a little bit more out of the gun early on, but I think that's getting at what you're talking about. What are they doing against teams that get to see them once a year? Maybe they're coming up with different wrinkles. I don't know how much we'll see that. You know, you ask how we do so well. I mean, I think our kids are tough disciplined kids too you know when you have tough disciplined kids against going going against tough disciplined kids you know a lot of times the talented team is going to prevail um you know the other thing we hit on them you know i went back to this earlier last year who won the explosive play battle it wasn't even close it was us mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and when, when the other things are equal when you're looking at the missed tackles and the the turnovers being equal well we won the explosive play battle that's going to that's going to help you win a lot of football games. Um, so I actually have a quote from Coach Wakefield on that. Uh, they just ran behind us last year, Wakefield said. It was ridiculous. We stopped their run last year. Were we this year? I don't know. But the point is, they threw five touchdown passes over our heads. It wasn't anything fancy. And we have some guys that can run. They're not faster than my guys. We just kind of played scared. I hope they don't play scared again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's coach talk. 
You know what that tells me? Mm-hmm. I'm going to translate that for you. In my, this is just my, this Coach Stone's opinion, is we are going to make sure we do everything we can to stop their big plays in the passing game and do what we do really well still, which is stop the run. They gave us, besides maybe Hoban, mm-hmm. more fits running the ball than any other team we played last year. They really did do a good job stopping the run. There's no doubt about that. I don't know if we had 100 yards rushing. Hmm. Um, but, you know, what do we do? We hit them with some big pass plays. Yeah. So, to me, you know, I'm not – it gets into all these, my guys are fast, that's fine. I, I don't care about that. I I know what that means. That means they're going to do what they can to stop us in big big pass plays. Hmm. So, But guess what? They can't simulate in practice. Our speed. There you go. So it's a nice thing to say that, but you yeah. know, when you got some kids that can run like we do. Um, kind of on the same subject, actually. When, like in spring ball, during the summertime, all that, your defense, you're practicing against your offense, right? Hopefully you're talking summer, right? Yes. So how do you, as like a wing T team, get your defense prepared to face these more modern offenses when all your offense is running is the wing T. Great question, Hank. In, in my mind, what they do is they keep things very simple on defense. And that mm. might be because of that, or maybe that's just the way they are. You know, they you look at them on offense, you think they're complicated. They're really not. I mean, they only run a handful of schemes. You know, they might move guys around and fast motion guys. You know, that's a lot of that's eye candy. Mm-hmm. But defense, they are pretty basic. They're a 4-4 for the most part. We're going to see a four-man front, and they're going to play mostly one high cover three. You know, that's what they do. And that's how, you know, if you could be simple on defense, it's really easy to then adjust to different offenses. You know, to schematically say, hey, this is how we are going to play ISO. It doesn't matter what formation they're in. The guys just know their fits and how they're going to play it. You know, from the secondary perspective, we'll give you guys a, some football lingo, they play their dividers really well. You know, when I say cover three, I'm talking, you know, they're playing three deep. So they're, you guys understand that. Don't know everyone mm-hmm. listening does, but their two corners are in a deep third and their free safety is in a deep third. They split the middle of the field in true dividers. So it's not like they're just necessarily going to run with what the receiver is doing. They're going to run in their divider knowing that even if you throw the ball, we're still in a spot where we can make the play. So I think last year, whenever we went two by two, they checked the quarters. They did do that a couple times. Is that a thing they usually do, or was that something they did especially for us? They have shown doing that this year too. Not all the time now. Not all the time. So it's you know, tough to tell. You know, Is it something they're doing by down a distance? Mm. Um, feel maybe who's lined up at the slot. No, it's it's something I don't anticipate them doing a lot. They might. Okay. So would that be something? I don't know. I guess in general, that you would maybe game plan for, or is that just something that you look at and it's like, okay, we don't do that. Let's move on. How much you game plan it? I. It's hard to say. Now, the nice thing you talked about in the summer. Our, our kids have gone and run routes against about every coverage out there. Mm-hmm. So when you run in our concepts, pass game concepts, it's not hard for them to 
adjust those based on a coverage they might not have practiced that much against because they've seen it. You know, teams have played us in about everything you can think of, especially in the last two years. You know, being with the varsity and up in the box so much, I couldn't tell you. I mean, we've seen so many different defenses, not just fronts, movements, coverages. It's it's been a lot. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how much we're we gonna jump in and practice against too high. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe once in a, maybe here and there, but that's not what they really do. You know, we'll practice against what they really do, you know, to get our kids ready. Looking at the film Perry this year, what is the strongest aspect of their team that you've seen so far? Their running back is really good on offense. You guys seen him? He's really good. Lemon? He is really good. He's still there? He's still there. God. Yes. And he is a can be a game changer. Is he I mean, 23 he can, by now? I don't know. I feel but like I've been really hearing good. about him and Perry every year. Yeah. Um, and if you flip it to me from their, their defensive side, I think their linebackers are really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a name guy. I do by numbers. But, you know, number five and number nine played for them last year and were good. And they're, you know, they're even better this year. So that That's our challenge up front. You know, they're still solid up front. Now they lose their two really good interior players, but that doesn't mean the other guys are bad. But they got those linebackers that, you know, they pretty much try to eat up blocks and let those guys go make plays. And they play fast. So where do you hmm, – here's a hard question I can't even formulate in my head. Um, they like to play, like you said, the 4-4, cover three. We like to base out of the two-by-one, fullback, running back. And – we have become a pound the ball down your throat power run team. How do you force a team out of their base or how do you make a team defend everything so you can still run your base stuff and you know not play left-handed? You know what I mean? Yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. We, we can we have the ability to adjust our personnel. Mm-hmm. We could we'll still jump into four receiver stuff sometimes. You know, maybe we try to get our kids the balls in space and four, you know, ten personnel, mm-hmm. you know, one back four receivers. You know, you also can attack it with you know, tight end fullback in the game, um, maybe two fullbacks. So there's other ways to try to tack it too if it you know, if we're not doing as well as our traditional um, I guess I call it 20 personnel. It's really 11 personnel. It's more of a H-back tight end with yeah. a running back and, th- and three receivers. <clears throat> but there's different things we could do with that to, to attack them and you know maybe make their kids make some plays in space. Um, Total aside, I did love our double fullback tight end set from last week. I, I'm a big fan of the run game. I, I nerd out about that shit too. And oh, yes. More more blocking backs the better. Really. <laughs> I, I mean if Perry was any good at it, the, the wing tee is my perfect form of football. With a little more power sprinkled in, of course. Uh-huh. God's play. But yeah. That's um that that was something that I guess we've never actually seen before. Never we didn't talk about that at all. But um It was a little it was a new wrinkle. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a new wrinkle. Um, 
to, to try to help, sometimes you got to prepare for what teams are going to do to attack you on the edge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if one way to to try to stop a team attacking off the edge, you know what? It's just add another body out there. Now they have a whole man. They got to try to cut something down backside or or maybe it changes a blitz. They can't run the certain blitz they want to do. But that's another just another wrinkle that's easy for us to do. So that was something that we saw against um, Iggy, that they kept sending that guy off the backside, and he kept hitting home. I think we just, uh, on power and stuff, that you know we kept trying to run up the middle, try to hit it before he got there, but he got there. So we just add that extra gap backside, and we do it. Um, my question is, we have not been shy about running a six offensive lineman as that tight end spot. Now we got Mike Miller there, hell of a football player. Mm-hmm. Is that something that like more general, not necessarily us, but um, is that something that you put an eligible number there to make you know a future team look at that and say, well, you know, they might be able to run the boot waggle whatever he can run a route off this versus saying throw. Nash there where he might be a little better at sealing backside, but he's not going to be running a route. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I had a question in my head and it didn't come out straight. The idea of using a... The, I, you know, the idea, you know what, we're going to do, we're going to use our personnel. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what, and, I, and Nash would be good there too, but ultimately what comes down to, for me... If I'm a defensive guy, and I've been a defensive guy, do I want to do what McKinley did this year when they ran out a tight end and put a tackle in there? There is zero threat at all in the pass game. Mm-hmm. Or put a kid out there like Mike Miller, who is a threat. I'm going to put the kid that's mm-hmm. a threat. And it's a, it's a no-brainer. So, yeah, that was my question. <laughs> there you go. There we go. We got there. Long winding road, but we got there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. All right. Um, Rob, you got anything? Not really. No. Kind of tapped out at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to get excited about beating down your little brother when you were up 21 points before they had a first down. Mm-hmm. But, uh, D- new year, man. New year. Yeah. Different new, game. New year. We have a better defense. They're undefeated for a reason. It's still a solid football team. Right, they really well, are. Number one seed, Hank. Yeah, you know they did. Uh, they did get that number one seed with a uh, little controversy. I'd say bulletin board material. <laughs> Definitely De- not controversy. Definitely, I think going into it, I wouldn't have had any issue with Perry getting the number one seed, just because. But I'm kind of upset of how they got it. Um, I didn't have an issue with them being the number one seed. But I think uh, what Wakefield did to us was, you know, it's bulletin board material. So that's it. It was smarter on his part. He was consistent. You know, he did the same thing with Westerville South because you had an argument for them to be the number one seed, too. They were undefeated. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think he actually ranked them behind us. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah. I think we were ninth and they were tenth, or we were eighth and they were ninth. Something like that, yeah. yeah. But it was um, gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. A little gamesmanship. Yeah. Eh, that's fine. That's what you expect from Wakefield. Yeah. Um, overall, I I like the matchup. 
I I have nothing more to add to this game besides it's going to be fun to watch us stomp their faces in repeatedly in their home field. It'll be fun, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, you know what, as a kind of an old school football coach, it's it's fun to go against teams like this. They try to kick you and kick you in the teeth. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see how our kids react to it. So I'm, I'm pretty confident, you know, they've had a good week of practice. If we play our game, smart, you know, tough, disciplined football, you know, we should be fine. And I mean, it's going to be a slugfest. I mean, it really is. I mean, they're going to do what they do. I mean, the old Woody Hayes approach: three yards, cloud of dust. That's that's what he does. Yeah. And you know what? What what are you going to do on offense to to try to get points and make big plays? You know, against a team that's traditionally really good against the run, and you know what our defense is going to do um, against the team. It's been a long time since we've te- seen a team that will line up with a tight end and wings, and you know, try to come right at you. You know, McKinley did that a little bit, you know, to, to some extent, but it, there hasn't been many. I mean, Hoover did it a little bit too, but no one does it as consistently as Perry does. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Um, it's going to be something fun, like studying the offseason, why they had numbers at the point of attack and just couldn't do anything with it, or, you know, why they just had 50 rushing yards at the end of a game and on 60-some attempts. Or, well, I just sit here and make up other, you know, <laughs> numbers off the top of my head. There you go. But... <laughs> Go Tigers beat Perry. Um, we have one other thing at the end of the show we always do. We like to rank stuff. Coach Stone. What are we ranking? You top, guys never told me. Top five. We we kicked this to you. <laughs> you just put him on the spot now? Yeah. Your top five. We were talking bourbons before the show started. Football um, players. Football, football players. Yeah, teams. I mean, we could do movies. You said action movies. We could do TV shows, characters, actors, whatever you want to do. Songs, oh, man. anything. What do you got? What do I got? Yeah. Let's go. Top five favorite Star Wars characters. Oh, Star Wars characters. Okay. Do you not know Star Wars? Uh, I, I watched the Star Wars as a kid. The Star Wars. I watched the Star Wars as a kid. I love Star Wars movies. And <sighs> not really since then. I feel like mm. I know it really well, and then I hear you guys talking about it. It's like, ooh, yeah. you guys know a lot more than I do. But, yeah, uh, yeah I watched them all as a kid. I loved them as a kid, and then mm-hmm. just have not seen any of them since then. Well, they haven't, none of them have been better better than the original three. I haven't re-watched them since I was a kid either. So uh, it's like I haven't, I have not seen a Star Wars movie since I was I'm like not, I, so I wouldn't classify myself as like a Star Wars nerd. Uh, I've watched the movies. Yeah, uh, where's I, Jim at when you need him? I know. I've dabbled in like the Clone Wars, the animated series stuff when I was a kid, when it was like, mm. you know, targeted at my age demographic. Uh, beyond that, I, I don't, that's not my thing. So I, I think I can keep this relatable. Coach Stone? Where, where do we start? Do we go five to one or one to five? Uh, I, However you want to start it. Sure. I think my favorite, I got to go with Yoda. Oh, Yoda. Yeah. You guys rank two or is it just me? I get the, I have to do no, all no, the rankings. No, no. So you do your or top you... five, then we'll do ours. So I go Yoda one. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker two. Okay. Okay. Oh. 
boy, it gets tough after that. That's <laughs> all I got. You dang. know what? No, no, no. Oh, gosh, I know them all, man. <laughs> know them all. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi third. Oh, okay. yeah. Obi-Wan, big character. I'm going to really struggle struggle the next couple. Mm-hmm. Um, fourth, you know what? I'm going to go Darth Vader. All right. Maybe one of the best villains turn good guys of all time. Yeah. And fifth, man, who do I pick between Chewbacca and Han Solo, right? Or R2-D2? There's so many options I out mean, there. I mean, R2. Han Solo is definitely over R2. Yeah. I would I would have to go with Han Solo probably then. Okay. Yeah. That's who I was leaning towards anyways. All right. So this is, we've had a little more prep in, a, in all of our rankings before this. This one you just kind of sprung on us. I did. I just thought about it. Um, Why not? All right, let's go. Off rip. Han Solo, number one. Harrison Ford, incredible guy. Incredible character. Uh, also, father to the second main villain slash character. Correct. Yeah. Kylo Ren. Yep, Kylo Ren in the big, in the sequel trilogy. Couldn't hold anything to Darth Vader, by the way. Absolutely Kylo Ren, not. Nothing compared to Darth Vader. Absolutely not. Number two, I'm going to say Darth Vader if we ignore the prequel trilogy. The Anakin, the Anakin yeah. series? Yes. That's kind of what I did, too. Because the prequel trilogy makes him look like an easy-to-manipulate easy bitch. Like, <laughs> I mean, Darth Vader, like, before, if you watch Star Wars before the prequels, he's, you know, top five movie villain of all time oh yes and then you watch prequels and it's like oh it's just like little reverse psychology and i got this bitch like in wrapped around my finger so ignoring that darth vader number two luke uh luke skywalker number three just because he's an iconic character right can't top it yes he is can't top it number four i gotta go with a guy from rogue one uh, I can't remember his character name, but he's like the main male lead opposite Jin Erso. It's oh, you know who I'm talking about. Yes, I know exactly. He's the pilot. Yeah. Um. He, gosh, he, what's his name? I can't think of it, but he's a great character because he's like he's a quintessential. So the rebels are pretty much just terrorists of the empire. Quintessential terrorist. Just incredible human. I think. Are humans even like a thing in Star Wars? Or are they just their own thing? Well, I could tell you this. Out of the original three, yeah. Rogue One is by far the next best movie. And I don't know if any of them are even close to it. Oh, absolutely. It's just it's a Vietnam War movie with a coat of paint, and it's just fun to watch. And uh number five, Obi Wan. Like you said. Oh incredible character. And I yeah. I don't know. If you're a Star Wars fan, you get it. If not, you don't. So, moving along. Rob? All right. So, my top five is going to be uh, mostly based off of, uh, you know, what I thought as a kid. <laughs> Probably not a lot of reasoning behind it. Just like, oh, he was my favorite character because. Fair you enough. Know, don't know why, but he was. Uh, so, number one was Obi-Wan. Don't know why. Cassian. I'm sorry to interrupt your Cassian. Cassian. Oh. Andor was his name. Yes. Barristan Lee had to look it up. Woo. <laughs> uh, 
so Obi Wan was my favorite. Couldn't tell you why, but he was. Um, number two, let's go with uh, Darth Maul. He was, really, oh, he was really? cool looking. He had the two-sided lightsaber. Like, oh yeah, why not? He was pretty cool. He was. It was great being a first grader. Like when Darth Maul yeah. came out, it was awesome. He made a cameo in the Solo movie too. By the way, oh, yeah? yeah. I guess I'm, I'm and, give you a reason to watch it. In the Clone Wars series, he's become like a main guy. See, I have not watched the Clone Wars. I haven't either. I've seen like a couple YouTube clips, but like he's been a main player in and, that. And stuff. I don't know what they're doing with that Solo because they sure made it finish mm-hmm. like they're going to have more of them and I thought they were going to tie the Anobi one movie into there I too. I think the plan with that was like they were going to have that and then it was going to jump into another and another and another and like wait this barely even made back the budget so let's uh, put it, put the brakes on it. No. We interrupted poor Rob man. No you're fine I, you guys can talk Star Wars. <laughs> it's one of those things that I like need to go back and rewatch. And yeah, I I just haven't, and the fact that there's like ten of them makes it even harder. Nine. It's easy to watch two movies, but hard to watch nine. Um, Princess Leia in the gold bikini. Is she on your list? There's oh. something. Um, Jabba number six. Can Jabba be on there? Um, uh, sure. He can, I guess. <laughs> really? I guess if he, you want to pick Jabba, you have I a guess. giant he slug can. that like can't speak English as your number three. I have a friend like that. We do have a friend like that. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, let's go Luke number three. Let's go Han Solo number four and Jar Jar five. Couldn't tell Jar you. Jar Jar five. Jar Jar Bray? five? Maybe like wow. just because the way he talked. Listen, this, this is like what I thought of as a five-year-old. For whatever reason, I liked Jar Jar when I was a kid. So there it is. Misa rethinking everything about you for picking Jar Jar number five. Yeah, I haven't seen it since I was five. But, yeah. you know, hate me, I guess. Not a great character. <laughs> not not, not a good look. I don't care what yeah, his storyline is. I think it was funny that this, like, kangaroo velociraptor thing was talking on <laughs> camera. I was five. <laughs> I think All I right, like an and and, and what could swim without wearing underwater for forever, like he was a fish. Yep. Yeah, something like that. You guys got me. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, he didn't have the fish thing. I cannot believe neither of you two had Yoda in your top five. He is. Mm. The, he is the master for a reason. I feel like there's something that I would have liked better when I was older, like as a. Yoda and Yoda is the dude. The second one when he goes against Count Dooku, uh, that lightsaber fight. That is a great fight. That is a that is a great fight. But Yoda, okay, he's a dude, but he's just not a great character. He's the old master. He knows his shit, but like that's not a compelling character. You know, Luke. You get to watch him from being just this little. What was he? A sand farmer on a, a sand planet. There you go. To being the savior of the galaxy. You get to watch this one of the top five movie villains ever. Yeah, remember who taught him. Yeah, but that was his character. Like, all right, fair enough. We should have done top five quarterbacks ever. <laughs> Next time. Actually, on that subject, um, Max Julian, you wanted... Top five Masson running backs we've ever seen play. Oh, boy. We're not going to do that because we've been having a conversation for a while, and I want to actually, 
you know, crowdsource from everybody else. We've been trying to put together an all-decade team, Maslin football, from 2010, 2019. Mm-hmm. So if any if anybody, you know, listeners out there or coaches, whoever the hell's listening to this podcast, live or otherwise, has an idea of who you want on that all-decade team, let us know, and we'll have an episode about that out soon. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of names already. We're going to have to narrow it down. But mm-hmm. uh, there are definitely some positions where we need well, more gonna names. It's going to be one so hell of a football team. It's a very good team, yes. yes. You're right. The offense, no one's stopping the offense. It's not happening. The offense <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> not taking anything with, away from the defense, but you no. know, offense puts people in the seats right there. So, Not even include that. I still, you know, since my coaching days – uh, 2005, I came back here and coached. Best high school football player I've seen played for us, Brian Gamble. Ooh. The kid could do everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. Back, hell of a safety. He was our long snapper on punt. He was um, really good. But, you know, that proceeds. I, you know, anyone before that, I can't really comment on. But, man, he was good. Well, that's why we're doing all decade team, 2010, 2010. I know he's not a 2010 mm-hmm. beyond either. No. But just to clarify on that, Campbell, though, hell of a player. Yeah. One of one of the top ones that I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. Top five, maybe. Uh, Beyond that, I... Oh, one other thing. Oh, my goodness. What? How much stuff do you have? No, I don't... So, uh, we had a long discussion about this on a podcast like five episodes ago about our uniforms. It was a top five thing. I, I just want to shout out Eric Smith because he has a very large uh, database. database of our win-loss percentage yes. in what uniforms we wore. Is this real? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not getting into this more than shout out Eric Smith. Right. Someone always told me he always played bad in the all-orange. But I find that hard all to believe. Orange? No, I'm not. He has we're, the stats right there. I know we're 2-0 and all in our all-orange Jordans. The only oh, yes, the all orange Jordans is incredible. So, do you want um, the only all, thing we're undefeated in is chrome helmets? I think yes, we have not lost a game in chrome. helmets. Yeah, I don't know if those will ever make played, it back. I don't think so either. But, but one game in chrome helmets, uh, all orange. Yeah, no, we're definitely not undefeated in them. But uh, it's definitely something I need another set of stats to look at. <laughs> no, I heard we're not good in the all orange. I, I beg to differ. I think we look great in the all-orange. I'm not saying looks. I'm talking record. That's what you had, right, Hank? Yeah. No, it is record, but I am I like the looks. I'm trying to like fight for it a little more. Well, I like all-orange, too. Oh, it looks incredible, right? It does. Especially the Jordan uniforms. Oh, my the God. The Jordan ones are really nice. Woo! Anywho, um, just wanted to shout out Eric Smith for that. It was a couple weeks ago that he gave that to us at Booster Club and I, I just hadn't remembered to bring it up on the show yet um, otherwise I have nothing really else to add to this episode Coach Stone you got anything? Hey man this has been fun I, I appreciate you guys having me okay. hopefully you learned a little bit uh, we'll have to do it again sometime were- hopefully you know big thing three more weeks right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're shooting for. Hey, you're welcome back anytime, Coach. It was fun having you here. Even funner off air. You, nobody's going to hear that, but <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Uh, 
beyond that, go Tigers, beat Perry, and we'll see everybody in state championships.